Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Asbury Deep Dive podcast. It's so good to be with all of you today, and I'm excited to be diving deeper into a very interesting and important topic. So I'm excited to do that today. Um, As always, if you want to get text updates whenever we post new podcasts, we would love for you to do so. You can text at Asbury Dive to 81010, and you'll get a text every time we post a new podcast. And I would love for you to stay connected and join me in that way. And so today, as I'm sure you've guessed by the title, we're going to be talking about evangelism. And so to do that, I've asked Pastor John Vick to join us today. He is our pastor of evangelism and prayer. Um, And so he'll be with us today. So say hi, John. Hi, everybody. So John, as we talk about evangelism and just kind of start diving right in, you know, when did you first get passionate about evangelism or find um, that you were drawn to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the eighth grade was a really big year for me. Um, There were three really defining moments in that year for me. Uh, The first was whenever I gave my heart to Christ. Um, That's, you know, the the biggest moment in my entire life, you know, saying, Jesus, my life is yours. I'm going to follow you for all eternity. Uh, So that happened my eighth grade year. Uh, Number two, I uh, first felt the calling on my life into the pastoral ministry. Uh, it was in the eighth grade that I knew that God was calling me uh, to be a pastor. So also a pretty you know, impactful uh, moment. And the third was I went on my first mission trip. Mm. Um, we went to uh, Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. Uh, it's a border town uh, in Mexico, just right on the other side of Laredo, Texas. Uh, I went with this um, missions organization. They're actually out of Tulsa. Uh, they're called All Star Ministries. And uh, they're just an amazing organization. And really the way they do um, mission trips is they have this drama. That's called the freedom drama. And so really the first day you're there, uh, you spend the entire day from like 8 in the morning to 9 at night uh, just practicing this drama, you know, rehearsing it. And I have no acting experience whatsoever, <laughs> by the way. Like, And so they have music playing. You know, the, the script is in Spanish. So that's playing over the speakers. And so the first day, you just learn that drama inside and out. And so for the rest of the week, it's amazing. You just load up in vans, you get the speakers, and you all go to different sites, you know, public sites like, uh, you know, malls and um, schools, places like that. And you perform the drama. Uh, people gather in because they see these people from the States doing a drama. And then uh, really the drama is all about the gospel though. It's it's really about, you know, kings and, and queens and it's about, you know, people of the land and then just an ancient kingdom. But really it's about the gospel. That's just kind of the, the way the, the drama goes. Um, so that, that one week in, uh, in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, we saw 600 people uh, begin to follow Jesus. Revival broke out. Um, it was encouraging. And I just was, was so encouraged to see, you know, lives changed and, and see my friends on this mission trip step out in faith and share the good news of Jesus. It was uh, just such a powerful week. Um, it really impacted my life. But um, a question I kept wondering on that mission trip was this. Uh, why am I not doing this at home? <laughs> yeah. Why am I not sharing the good news of Jesus um, at my school, you know, with my friends? Um, why am I not um, sharing the good news everywhere I go? And so whenever I came back uh, to my hometown, uh, Inola, again, I was an eighth grader at the time, uh, I joined the cross country and the track team. And uh, and I enjoy running, but I'm not very fast. Uh, in fact, in track, I, I ran the two mile and I was double lapped um, in that. So, so that's <laughs> not being feeling. lapped, not once. <laughs> But two times, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I wasn't very very fast at cross country or track, um, but but I joined in order to um, have more opportunities to be able to share my faith, mm. uh, because cross country and track meets they're a great 
uh, opportunities uh, to do that uh, because literally you have hundreds of students from all around uh, the state or all around the area, I guess, um, just kind of waiting around all day until it's their time to run. And when it is their time to run, they get up and they run for a couple minutes and then they're done for the rest of the day. So you literally just have these these great opportunities. It's kind of like, a, you know, Jesus saying the harvest is plentiful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's so true at cross country and track meets. Um, and so at these cross country and track meets, I would uh, lead these Bible studies. Uh, one story in particular, uh, it was at Inola's home track meet actually. And we had this Bible study in the middle of the football field on the break at this track meet. And uh, we laid a blanket out on the 50 yard line. And I thought like, you know, maybe 15 people will come. Well, there were probably 30 or 40 people gathered at the center um, of the football field at the 50 yard line. And I just got to lead a little devotion, which was amazing. But I mean, it was very evident that something was taking place there at the 50 yard line. And uh, and so that was really encouraging. And, yeah. and so we tried to do things like that to lead different Bible studies. Um, uh, so I think my favorite story though, uh, that came out of a, a an evangelizing, you know, time at a, a track meet. Um, I was by myself and I was sharing the good news of Jesus with a few people. And after a while, I was kind of di- getting discouraged. You know, we weren't really seeing a lot of people um, giving their hearts to Christ and, and beginning to follow Jesus. And and so I was kind of discouraged and I just leaned against the stadium and I bowed my head and I closed my eyes and I prayed, God, I just ask that you would send me someone so I can tell them about you. And as soon as I said, amen, I I looked up and this person from a different school, never met him before, came up to me and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, hey, I need Jesus. And I have a group of people who also need Jesus. Will you come with me? And I said, well, of course I'll come with you. And he had a group of around seven or eight people and all of them gave their hearts to Christ. And I was just reminded of the the power of prayer. As soon as I said, God, I, I ask that you would send me someone so I can tell them about you. God sent a group of seven or eight people, and they all got saved. So that was a that was a really powerful a powerful experience. Um, so continuing on in high school, um, I read this book that had a really big impact on my life. Uh, it's called In His Steps by Charles Monroe Sheldon, and the book is all about uh, this question: uh, What would Jesus do? And, and so the question kind of just follows this fictional uh, church where everyone says, well, well, what would Jesus do before they do um, just about anything? And so I began to wonder myself, uh, well, what would Jesus do here at Inola High School? If he was in my shoes, um, you know, how would Jesus behave? Who would he talk with? And so I began to sit at different tables and kind of befriend uh, different people that um, were kind of out of my friend group, to be honest with you. Some of these kids were uh, the troublemakers. You know, they were often in detention. I would get really close with them at lunch, and then next week they'd be gone because they were in detention at lunch. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was able to build relationships with them, and many gave their hearts to Christ. We started these Bible studies uh, each day. uh, before school started and and during lunch. And so it was really kind of in that environment that my love for evangelism was fostered even more. Uh, But I would certainly say it began um, in the eighth grade during during that first mission trip. I think that's really whenever my first uh, fire, I would say, uh, for evangelism was was lit. Sure, sure. I love how quickly in your Christian walk you caught the fire for evangelism um, because I think for so many it's not a first thought, you know, we, we come to Christ and then it takes the years and years of learning and growing and aha moments to be like, oh, wait a second, yeah. I'm supposed to go tell other people about this, right? Yeah. It's such an important part. It's the great commission. It's what Jesus yeah. leaves us here to do, right? It's an important thing. So I love that yeah. you um, 
discovered that so quickly yeah. on. I wish I could say the same, but it yeah. is not the case. So that's okay. <laughs> yes. Um, so evangelism is such a churchy word. Yeah. Um, it's a fun one to throw around, but yet what does it mean? So John, how would you define evangelism? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's an excellent question. And I really hope that we can reclaim that word yeah. evangelism because I think a lot of times when we hear that word, uh, there's just almost a negative connotation. So with many it. connotations. Uh, yes. And, and not just with non-Christians, you know, Christians will hear that word yeah. and think, ah, evangelism. Um, I don't want to be that Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be pushy or insensitive. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love this quote by Rebecca Manley Pippert. Um, I think it's kind of funny, but there's a lot of truth to it. She says, uh, Christians and non-Christians have something in common. We're both uptight about evangelism. <laughs> and, and I think that's so true. Honestly, you could have just stopped yeah. it. We're both uptight. <laughs> that's right. Yep, that's right. <laughs> but but it can be overwhelming. Yeah. It can be scary. Um, personally, I think my biggest, biggest fear is being insensitive to someone. You know, mm. you don't want to be pushy. You don't want to be seen as this person yeah. who's disrespecting others. That's nice. Um, my biggest fear is to be rejected. So. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great part as well. Yeah. Yes, I, I hold on to that as well. Um, and so I think fear might be one of the biggest obstacles mm. to evangelism. That's what I found anyway and in talking with other people, I found fear to be a big obstacle in evangelism. Absolutely. Would you agree or do you think that there's a, a bigger obstacle out there in evangelism? No, I think fear? fear is a huge part and the lies of what if or I don't want to be this person or, um, or even mm-hmm. the lies of God doesn't need me to do that or yeah. no, 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 that's not what I'm called to or all these things. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, a bigger, uh, not a bigger, but another obstacle is mm-hmm. just not understanding where it fits yeah. or not understanding our call to it or not understanding, you know, the Christian's relationship to it yes. um, is another big thing as well. Not, not understanding. And I'm not saying that as in like y'all people listening to understand. I'm saying that as in, yeah. I still struggle with understanding yes. and I still struggle with stepping out in it. And yes. I think if, you know, if we had clear shots of Jesus, you know, what an mm. interesting concept. If we truly knew his love, if we truly yeah. knew the depths of how he cares and all these things, you know, if we truly knew what it, he needed us to do in evangelism or not needed, but you know, that call of evangelism, if we truly caught the glimpse that God wants us to have of it, how would we associate with it differently? How would we live with it differently? You know? Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. So whatever your obstacle may be in evangelism, God can help you and meet you where you're at, yeah. you know, and, and give you strength there. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so in in order to define evangelism, I normally point to a chapter in, in John's gospel. I'm going to open there oh, really quickly. John. Yes, John is so good. <laughs> and I know you're going to love this this chapter because, as you know, it's about sheep and you are the sheep John expert. John 10, I am the sheep expert. The amount of times I've talked about John 10 <laughs> and the sheep analogy, guys, don't get me yes. started. I've done a podcast on it. I could do 20 more. That's wonderful. Anyway, this isn't the about sheep. The sheep expert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Um, so this is uh, John 10, 14 through 16. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And this is the key verse, I think, verse 16 for evangelism. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And so I'm going to use that passage to define evangelism. But just since we have this opportunity with you, do you have anything you want to say about sheep in that passage? Is there anything, you know? So many, yep. yes. <laughs> but the way, so I've, I've preached out of John 10 on with a bit of a bend towards evangelism and just kind of mm-hmm. the thing I, of the million things I take away. Um, one of the things that is just so key is that, so sheep are gregarious. They want to be in a group. And Jesus tells us that our group is not complete or that there are those yeah. who need to be in the, that it's not right yeah. 
-hmm. whenever the one's away or whenever there's more people who should be in the flock and they're not here, that we should feel that discomfort because the group isn't whole. We want the group to be together. Sheep want their group. And we see this in our own lives. We want our group to be together. Um, But Jesus here tells us once again, there are people that you don't know who need to be in this group or, you know, it's not just this. We should be uncomfortable knowing that there are people out there who need to be in our flock and they aren't. And Mm. that should motivate us, you know, that things aren't right when the flock isn't together. And Jesus is very clearly Mm. telling us there are people out there who are not here yet. And um, I think that's just so important and it should make us, we should physically feel something, Mm. you know, she physically feels something whenever they realize that or whenever, you know, the one's missing or all these things, they want to be in the group. And when the group's not together, things are not okay, Mm. essentially. Um, The group being all Christians, all humanity, yeah. not yeah. just my friends there. Mm. So Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I think we see the heart of the Father there so well. You so know, just well, yeah. Throughout the scriptures, God's saying, I, I have a desire that all would be saved. Right. You know, that, that all would come you to You are all a truth. part of my flock if you yeah. would just accept me. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, thank you for sharing. Wow, that's, that's good good stuff right there. Well, that's just a taste. Um, yeah, <laughs> amen, amen. That's good. Um, but, you know, in this passage, Jesus is described as the shepherd who uh, reaches out to the lost sheep, those sheep who are uh, far away. And we see this in other texts as well. You know, for example, Luke 15, how the shepherd uh, leaves the 99 behind uh, to find that one sheep who's lost and by his or herself. Uh, so I think to put it simply, evangelism is joining Jesus in the work of bringing people to himself. I mean, I, I think we can go deeper than that, but, but at its core, I, I think evangelism is coming alongside of Jesus, co-laboring with him, joining in, in this work of bringing people to himself, of, of bringing people into the flock. And uh, as, as Wesleyans, I think this is really where provenient grace comes in uh, or the grace that comes before. Mm-hmm. Just knowing that before we have our first conversation with someone, before we even meet them, God is already at work in their life. God is already loving them. God has loved them before the foundation of the world. God is already wooing them and drawing them closer to uh, himself. I think you and I both love John so much. We could talk about John <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in John chapter 12, Jesus says, and I, uh, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Mm-hmm. And um, for times, I think it, it can be difficult for us to know that, that God is doing that because we want to be the ones doing all the work. We want to be the ones drawing people to God. We want to be the, the superstars, basically. Um, but I think it's more difficult to say, God, I trust that you are already at work. You are already moving in this person's life. You are already drawing this person to yourself. Uh, I think this is something we see quite a bit uh, on Saturdays at our food distributions. Um, when we see people come into the prayer parking lot, uh, before we even say a word to many of them, there's already tears in their eyes. You know, you can already tell that God is up to something in their life. God is already moving and working in their lives. And so I, I love the prayer parking lot because we're just able to step in and say, God, here I am. I'm working with you. I'm joining in this work of bringing other people into yeah. yourself. Yeah, that's so good too, because when we want to be the saviors and we want to yeah. do it our own way, you're going to hit so many walls, so many roadblocks. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find many people who want yeah. to be there. That's not the way to find the people open to Christ. But when you simply say, Jesus, I'm going to join you in what you're yes. already doing. Yeah. You know, oftentimes mm-hmm. you yeah. hopefully, you know, not, it's not a rule of thumb, but you know, you'll more so find the people who are already hungry for him and you just get to give them the hope. Yes. You know, you just get to give them those seeds that they yes. are ready for and all those things. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the concept of finding a person of peace, yeah. the person mm-hmm. who is 
open and receptive to hearing God's word. And that doesn't mean yeah. we don't share with people who aren't receptive yet. You can mm-hmm. still plant those seeds if you want to use those terms. Yes. But when we say, Jesus, I want to join you in what you're already doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's submission to God and also what awesome way to truly find those people who really need to hear the full yeah. gospel or, yeah. you know, I know this little part, but where's the connection piece or I'm believing this lie and where's God in that? You know, yes. that's whenever I think evangelism, if we're still using that mm. word becomes yeah. effective truly, because yes. our role isn't to go save. Our role is yeah. to talk to the people Jesus is already yeah. talking to really. Amen. Yes. I love that. Talking to the people Jesus is already talking to. That's a great definition as well for, for evangelism. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing. That's beautiful. Um, so I think whenever we uh, share the good news of Jesus in evangelism, uh, there are two things that need to be present. So I'll lift them up really briefly to us. Uh, the first one is this, and it should be pretty obvious, but it's the love of God and neighbor. You know, whenever we truly are in love with God and in love with our neighbors, um, I think we're going to be living these lives that are distinctive, that are unique, uh, that are different, and that are compelling uh, to yeah. people uh, people on the outside. Uh, you know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, I, I love what he says. You are the salt and the light of the earth. In fact, you can't even be hidden. You know, just like a, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, so you too can't be hidden. You know, uh, let your light shine, which is, is so fascinating. Um, and then uh, another scripture I'm reminded of is from First Peter chapter 3. And, and Peter says, but in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. So, you know, whenever we have this love of God and neighbor, we're going to be uh, living these city on a hill lives. We're going to be leading these lives that are, are bright and gentle. And people are going to ask us about the hope that we have. So the love of God and neighbor in all things just has to be present. Yeah, um, genuinely present. Yes. Yeah, I mean, mm, yeah. We've, we've talked to the, don't name names, but, you know, you've talked to Christians who share the same words, yes. but if at the heart, you know, if, if they're abrasive or mean, you know, the people, you know, you don't want to yeah. be abrasive, those fears and things, you know, mm-hmm. when you genuinely love God and you yes. genuinely love the person in front of you, yes. like that's going to come off. And yes. even if you say something slightly wrong, that person's going to know that you care for them. And yes. that's, you know, the whole piece of your life, Mm-hmm. After Christ is going to be a huge example. It's something yes. different. You know, there in and of itself is a piece of evangelism is that your yes. life is different, that you have genuine love of God and genuine love of neighbor. It's so key. And yes. um, I think we skip that part too much. We yes. want to do, yeah. we want to do the task. We yes. want to, all right, who do I talk to? What do I say? Yeah. I'm good. I'm going to do this. Yes. What's the task? Check off, mm-hmm. check the marks, all these things. Yes. But that's not where it mm-hmm. starts. It yes. starts with genuine love Amen. for God and for neighbor. Yes. Yeah, if that's taken away, everything else comes Yeah, if it's taken down. away, there's no evangelism. Yes, if it's that's taken right. away, you're just yelling at people with yes, a megaphone. Like, absolutely. Uh. Yeah. It, it reminds me in, in Mark's gospel, whenever Jesus chooses the, the 12 disciples, it says he chose 12 people to be with him mm. and to cast out demons and to proclaim the message. And uh, uh, it was actually the, the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, that pointed this out. But um, so many times we focus on the uh, casting out the demons or the proclaiming the message, the doing, if you will. But the first thing, the first thing literally it says is Jesus chose them to be with him. To be with him, absolutely. And uh, that's what makes a difference in our evangelism. 100%. That we're first with Jesus. Yeah, we're still going to go proclaim the message and and do things. But but if we get that out of order, you know, if if, if we don't first spend time with Jesus and and genuinely love him and, and love people, you know. 
it all falls apart. Absolutely. Um, there's a really cool story at the church I served before this one. I led the Friday night worship service there. And every Friday I would go and pick up cookies. And so I would go to this cookie place. They made really good cookies. And I would say, can I have cookies for so-and-so church? And and there's this person in the background who uh, was making the cookies. I, I rarely ever even talked to her, but she just saw me and saw the way that I carried myself each week as I got their cookies every Friday. And so she came to church one of these weekends and, and I didn't get a, I didn't see her, but one of the pastors said, so what, what brings you in this, this day? And she goes, well, I don't know this man's name, but he goes and picks up cookies every single Friday. And I just want to raise my son in the same community that this man is a part of. And I, I thought that that was so amazing because I'd never said a word to her. Um, you know, I, I never really even had a conversation with her, but, but she was just drawn into this church. And I think evangelism like that is just, it's done right. You know, yeah. I, I know some people, that's the first thing that really needs to be present whenever we go out and, and share the good news of Jesus and, uh, and do evangelism. Um, I think the second thing, though, that has to be present is, uh, is prayer. You know, who who am I regularly uh, praying for? Who am I regularly praying for to experience um, resurrection power, to to taste and see that that God is good? Um, I, I heard the story recently. I actually shared it uh, in the sermon uh, at the eight o'clock chapel service this past week. Uh, but but the author uh, Rebecca Manley Pippert, who I had that quote earlier about you know Christians and non Christians being uptight about evangelism, uh, she shares the story of moving into a new town. And she's trying to find a salon. And so she's recommended this salon. And, and so she goes there and she meets a hairstylist there named Meg. And so uh, Rebecca, the artist, you know, she keeps coming back many, many months and then builds a relationship with Meg, uh, one of the stylists. And eventually Meg shares that she's not a Christian, uh, but her brother who lives out of state uh, is a Christian and he's an avid reader. And so Meg, the stylist says, well, I'll ask my brother, you know, it's, it's a long shot, but, but I'll ask him and, and see if he's read any of your books. Well, to put it simply, he had read several of her books before and they had a profound impact on his life. But the amazing part is this, whenever Meg, the stylist is telling Rebecca about the conversation with her brother, she shares how uh, her brother, 10 years ago, whenever he read Rebecca's books for the first time, was struck by this idea that a person with a personality like Rebecca's would be able to reach his sister, Meg. And so the brother said that I kneeled down 10 years ago and I began to pray that God would send someone like Rebecca into your life, but I didn't pray for God to send Rebecca herself. <laughs> and, and I thought that that was such a powerful picture, um, a great image of God still doing the impossible, which yeah. is what the sermon was about, but also just the difference that can make whenever we're praying for those around us, praying for our family members, our friends, those we go to school with, those we go to uh, work with, you know, praying for them to uh, experience Christ resurrection power. Uh, pray, pray for your hairstylists, you know, pray for your barbers, pray for uh, those around you just to experience that <clears throat> resurrection power. Yeah. Well, and <clears throat> prayer gets us back to the root of it all, which is Jesus. Yes. You know, prayer keeps us humble. Prayer keeps us reminded that it's Christ, not us. Yes. Um, as well as gives us strength and encouragement as well as lets God, lets God have his way. You know, there's so much wrapped up in prayer. And sometimes I think with church, prayer is the answer. And you're just like, prayer is always the answer. Give me something yeah. new. <laughs> but we will never understand the depths of prayer ever yes. until we are standing in front of Jesus. I fully believe we will never understand the impact, the depths for ourselves and for others. You know, it's yes. not, it's a two-way street. You're not, don't, you know, be the mm -hmm. person that's like, well, I'm going to pray for you. Like, oh, I'm going to help you. No, prayer also corrects us, but it yes. can also do really cool things out there. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, so we'll, we'll pray for those around us. We'll pray for them to experience Christ's resurrection power. Um, and also something I found to be really uh, effective is just praying for opportunities. You know, yeah. kind of like the, the story I shared early, earlier, you know, God, send me someone so I can share your good news with them. Um, I think that's a really good prayer to pray. And that's yeah. that's a prayer I, I hope to be praying more uh, on yeah. a regular basis. I love the stories of like divine meetings. These are my favorite on Facebook yes. where this person meets another person and the one person decides to be generous and they give them a certain dollar amount that's bigger than 20 bucks, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds, you know, you never know exactly yeah. the amount. And the other person reacts and says, this is the exact amount I needed for rent, or this is the exact amount I needed to put food on the table, you know, and those things, I mean, I cry every time I watch them and the world says that's coincidence, but there is no way for that to happen without God, with any sort of likelihood that doesn't happen. I mean, maybe once in the entire history of the world will that happen on accident, but that is God through prayer and through us being tuned into him and following his nudgings. You know, if you pray for that kind of stuff to happen, like, yeah. He, he wants to do that kind of stuff. There's people Amen. in your life every day that could benefit yes. from that exact, you know, and the exact amount too just points to God. And I could rant about this forever. It's yes. my favorite thing. It's so cool. Yes. But it's just those opportunities. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's just pray right now and just pray for opportunities um, throughout our week. Lord God, we are grateful for who you are, how you are the one who is sovereign and has all authority. And Lord God, we come before you today asking for opportunities to share your good news of salvation with others. We pray for opportunities. We pray for open doors, oh God. Um, We know that you are the way maker and that you are the God of the impossible. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So that's something I found to be really effective, just praying for opportunities. Praying right then and there too. It's an important thing. Mm. When you say, I'm going to pray about this, don't write it down. Pray right then and there. Absolutely. Um, Particularly in in high school, I think my favorite verse for evangelism was Ephesians 5.16. It says, making the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. And I wonder what that would look like if we took every opportunity we had to be a light share yeah. the good news with those around us. Yeah, but it takes practice. It does. You know, that's not going to happen tomorrow. Once again, these are yes. the disciplines. Yes. It takes time to get us there. You know, it's going to take you time and yes. it's not to beat yourself up. It's that that's an end goal that you hope God moves you to. You yes. know, it's take the pressure off again, right? It's yes. you and Jesus. Yes. And then you hope that as you, as he develops you into the person he wants, he needs you to be, yeah. um, that you would get to the point where you can take those opportunities. And maybe it starts yeah. with one opportunity a day, Yes, you know, and then maybe it's, or maybe one a week, yeah. you know, one time this week, I need to do something or I, I would like to pray with someone or I would like to have this opportunity and then once yes. a day and then, you know, yeah, and just seeing what he does there. So. Yeah, and that's an excellent point. And I love the idea of praying with people. I yeah. found that to be a, an excellent uh, tool, if that's what you want to call it, or strategy just for um, sharing the hope that we have in Jesus. Yeah. Saying, hey, can I pray yeah, for the you? the simple question, can I pray for you? And yeah. even when people... Because I, I had a goal one time, I need to bring it back, but we're, I would just pray for a person a day. Mm, yeah. um, and, you know, sometimes people would, you know, jump back a little and be like, are you mm-hmm. sure? And even the people who were like, I'm not very religious would say yes. You yeah. know, people are hungry. And yes. even, you know, I had a neighbor who then shared with me about deeply about their struggles. Mm. And um, I don't know if she was a believer or not, but she yeah. she needed someone to listen. And I listened that day when I stopped my run and just yes. saw her and prayed with her. And so yeah. that simple question opened so many doors of may yeah. I pray with you? Because mm. even if someone says, even if someone reacts in the way we really mm. don't want them to react, which is, yes. I don't believe any of that, don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. What's the harm done? Yes. Nothing, you know, just yeah. walk away. Like, Absolutely. and Jesus tells us, you know, you can walk away from the hostility in that way and mm-hmm. pray as you leave, yes. you know, pray as you're walking away, just yes. pray for that person. But 
that doesn't happen very often. Usually, mm-hmm. even if people don't believe or have a different beliefs or whatever, yeah. they'll they'll even say, you know what? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I like the priest where you shared about stopping your run, you know, to pray with someone. Um, I think that's a, a beautiful example of, of doing what Jesus did. You know, he allowed himself to be interrupted. Yeah. Whether he was teaching in the synagogue or on his way to heal someone, you know, he was open to interruptions. Right. And uh, man, I hope that we would be the same, you know, that we would follow Jesus' example there, that if we're on a run or going to the grocery store or working on a big project, whatever it may be, drinking coffee at the coffee shop, <laughs> that we would be open to interruptions. Right. You know, um, there's so many great opportunities there. Um, so I guess the, the thing I'll kind of close with is just sharing a few tips that I found to be helpful in sure. sharing my faith and, and uh, sharing the good news of Jesus. Um, so number one, I think it's just starting conversations with people. I think the more conversations that we have, the more uh, opportunities we're going to have to share our faith. Um, kind of like the more um, times your line gets in the water when you're fishing, the more chances you're going to have to catch an actual fish. Um, so whenever I was in college, I remember, uh, being at the, the lobby of Chick-fil-A, actually, it was like right after Chick-fil-A closed, always Chick-fil-A. That's right. (laughs) And do you have a favorite Chick-fil-A sauce? I just have to ask. Barbecue. Barbecue. I like the, the Buffalo one. I think it's Zesty Buffalo. Pretty good. Pretty good. Anyways, thank you for listening to that side note. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, but we're at the, the lobby. Chick-fil-A had just closed and there is this young man who walked by. And I noticed he had a, a BCM, a Baptist Collegiate Ministry yeah. shirt on. And uh, I, I'd never met him before, but I just said, hey, I, I like your shirt. You know, I see that you're a part of the BCM. That's wonderful. And he's like, yeah. And, and so we just, we began a, a conversation. I, I just got to know him. He was a freshman. Um, and then as we were about to end the conversation, I noticed that he started tearing up a little. And he said, hey, I've I've just had a really difficult time recently. You know, this is my first time out of the home. And um, I'm trying to figure out this whole college thing. And and it's just been difficult. And I was wondering if you could pray for me. And so in that lobby at, at 10 o'clock, you know, after Chick-fil-A had just closed, um, we prayed for this young man and we gave him a hug and, and he was he was weeping. But but I, I began reflecting on that story more. And I thought that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have said, I like your shirt. I mean, to think that this conversation that ended with hugging and weeping and, and answered prayers began with a conversation about a shirt. Yeah, small and, talk. Yeah, small talk. And I believe God can use small talk. God can use uh, BCM shirts or, or just any kind of conversation. God can use that um, for his glory. And so that was a, a big lesson I learned from that. And I think the second helpful tip I would lift up for us is just familiarize ourselves with the gospel. You know, know what the good news of Jesus is. Uh, there's, of course, the Romans road that we can go through. Uh, but also, I, I love particularly... Uh, this from from First John. Uh, we're back in John and First John again, but but this is First John four, and it reads: God's love was revealed among us in this way: God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. I think that's a beautiful kind of summation of what the gospel is: that not that we loved God, in fact, we turned away from God that God loved us so much he sent his son to take our place, to die for our sins, to be the atoning sacrifice so that we can know God and have life with him. Yeah. And uh, and so I would just encourage us to familiarize ourselves with the gospel, yeah. with the scriptures. With that being said, we don't have to have all the answers and it's right. okay to say, I don't know. There's been so of many course. times I said, I, I don't know. I don't know. People appreciate that too. Yes. You know, the honesty. And, and that's so true. I think that would be maybe the third thing that holds us back from evangelism is mm-hmm. not feeling yeah. like we know the story well enough. And yes. um, I think, 
sometimes that can be a line. Sometimes we need to just say, you know what, I do, yeah. and I do have things to share. And yeah. sometimes that means, hey, then get in your word. You know, do yeah. your due diligence. Know, yeah. know what Jesus said, and know yes. the simple gospel. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Just mm-hmm. the story of a God coming to earth, yes. dying for us, and raising again so that we can live with him. Like yes. that in and of itself, that simple yeah. sentence yeah. is the gospel and it is enough because yes. once again, it's God working and not your words. Yes. Um, so that's important. The, the thing I always tell the the students or something I really like to empower people with when it comes to evangelism is that mm-hmm. we have two types of witness in mm-hmm. our lives. We have the type of witness um, that I think people like to tell the stories of the most, but the mm-hmm. witness where you meet one person once and you have that one interaction mm-hmm. and um, you can plant seeds. Sometimes you get to pray a prayer. Sometimes, you know, that's that's the praying for random people or the, the interactions, the divine meetings, and that's mm-hmm. planting seeds. And that is only one part of your witness. And um, not all of those people are going to know how you live your day-to-day life. Um, but sometimes they can sense the peace and the love out of you and all those really cool things. But that's one type of witness. And that's what people focus on a lot. Um, but the second part, the second type of witness is those people you talk to daily, your coworkers, your family, your neighbors. If you talk to your neighbors daily, I don't, but you know, the people in your life that you see all of the time who will see your life as an example, you know, and these, this line can be blurred. It's not always this or that. Sometimes it's a little bit of both, but, um, you know, the people who do see your life and the people you can have in depth conversations with, and, um, you know, you can talk to, and once they do accept Christ, you can continue to lead them to Christ and disciple them. And I feel like we don't talk about that one enough of who do you know in your life that you see on a daily basis that you can maybe be more intentional with or, um, help them in those ways. I I think it's important to realize there's those two types of witnesses. And on one side, there are some people who will, you get, you have one interaction and that's not to say it's end all be all. Cause remember there's lots of seeds being planted. It's Jesus doing the work. And at that point you're just, you know, whatever Jesus is needing that day for that person, you get to fulfill, which is awesome. And you get to plant that seed or maybe do the harvest, but usually it's just a seed. Um, and the other is you get to see the long term. You yes. get to see that person come to Christ over time, get to see them break free from lies and new understandings. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could go on and on about these two differences, but yeah. both are important. And I think we need to be open to both with Christ and realize that um, he's after everyone. Yes. And so whatever little part we can play for all the people, right? Not all yes. the people, that is not our job, but, you know, for the people we interact with our lives, you know, yes. there's there's the two types and I would hope that um, we would all be open to both. Yes, amen, amen. But anyway, so John, thank you so much for being here with us. This thank has you. been a lot of fun. I think evangelism is such yes. an important topic, such a big thing that well, the word's scary, but yeah. Um, yeah. it's important. <laughs> and probably as we go on, we'll probably do more on evangelism. Awesome, because this I look is forward to it. This is the start of the conversation. Amen. I feel like I've said that a couple of times. You know, Great. this is just the start. There's so much yes. more, but yes. um, hopefully it's less of a scary word and you maybe yeah. you're a little less uptight about it. Um, or, you know, all the good things. Yeah. So John, just as we close, would you mind praying for everyone? Oh, I would love to. Lord God, we are so grateful for the good news of Jesus. I'm reminded of the old hymn, I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Lord, may we be people who are just on fire to share your good news with those around us. Lord, we do pray for opportunities. We pray for uh, open doors for the gospel. Uh, We pray for our neighbors. We pray for our coworkers. We pray for our classmates. We pray for um, our hairstylists, Lord. Uh, We pray for all those who uh, don't know you yet. Uh, And Lord, we remember that you are the good shepherd. You are the one who continually reaches out to the lost sheep. Uh, You are the one, Jesus, who leaves the 99 in order to find the one. 
So we thank you for your love, your personal, your intimate love, your love that is greater and larger than the universe. Lord, your love is the thing that compels us, that moves us, that drives us. And God, we pray this in the most powerful and beautiful name, the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Amen.